Welcome to Genius Leadership Overcoming Everything podcast. I'm your host, Anna Liebel, a mind shifter, helping male leaders in tech get out of the firefighter mode, become the proactive leaders they want to be, and enjoy the ride as they go. Join me every week for honest, insightful conversations with corporate, entrepreneurial, and academic leaders about their rollercoaster ride to leading from their zone of genius. If you find the show valuable, could you do me a favor? Rate and review the podcast. Share it with your network so that more of us can live a healthier and happier life. And for now, let's take the ride together. Hey, Genius Leader, welcome to the show. Today, we're talking to Tuomo Wachkunen, a Finnish guy who traveled the world looking for his happiness until in some simple conversations with people far, far away from home, he found that happiness is a choice and you need to build your lifestyle to not run away and look for it somewhere else, but look inwards. And now he's living in Tahiti in French Polynesia, helping as a coach and trainer to high achievers and peak performers to optimize intense lifestyle needs. Today with him, we're talking about the creativity and productivity and how those two are the two sides of the same coin. But before we go into that, I would like to point out how I really enjoyed that he broke down the first question of mine of sustainable business performance into parts. So he talked about each word separately and talked about the sustainability. What does that mean to him as in long-term repetitive performance, but also how the other parts as self-leadership and self-care and adaptability are important. So talking about creativity and productivity, Tom breaks it down and, and explains what each of those modes of ours mean and are. And then we're digging into how to find the space and the time for both of them. Nowadays, there is a lot of pressure on creativity and how we need to create and create and create. But we also need to be productive. So how on earth do we combine the two? And do we, how do we find the style, lifestyle, and also the the rhythm of the day and of the week to accommodate for our needs and our body rhythms so that we can actually be both creative and productive. I really like how Tom is giving examples, practical examples of what creative time can look like and what can productive time look like for him or for his clients. He's given practical advice on how to find your rhythm and your separation between the two. and. I really would like you to just listen and to reflect on where are you spending most of your time these days of these two and how would you like to adjust the lifestyle to actually have a different way of meeting the needs of the others, be it through your job, your commitments with your family and friends or society, but also your internal needs. Because we're both, we need both. We need creative time and we need productive time. So the question to you to think about during this conversation is how can you find space for both in your life? Enjoy the conversation and see you on the other side. Hey, everyone, and hi to Omo. I'm super happy to have you as a guest today. We've already had conversations on your show and in your club, clubhouse room. And today I'm turning around the table so that I can actually interview and interrogate you about leadership. So welcome to the Genius Leadership Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm very uh, excited to be here and share a couple uh, nuggets of wisdom and build my experience and expertise. So 
glad to have you here. Glad to, glad to be here with you. I am sure that you'll share some really good insights because from the previous conversations that we had often online, I, I really loved how they, your experiences and your approach, your approach to leadership, your approach to personal development and self-leadership. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. So Tomo, I usually start with a question about uh, sustainable business performance. When you hear these words, what comes to your mind? Sustainable. Yeah. First of all, that, that first word, sustainability, is, is a big one for me. And what I take from that, if I just break that sustainable business development or leadership, the first thing is sustainable for me comes long-term game. That's what, what I feel about it. Sustainability means that we're able to do things not just for one or two days or for a couple of weeks or for one quarter, that we can repeat the results and the actions for long-term being years in three to five years or for, for, for longer periods of time. So that's the first thing about sustainability, obviously. And then when it comes to leadership, I think the very first something that we discussed with you as well in, in the different formats, as you mentioned, is, is the self-leadership. That's if we want to keep things sustainable and long-term, I think that self-leadership, meaning that we're able to take care of ourselves and we're able to lead ourselves first, I think that is, is something that we need to work on all the time because the things outside of us, they change a lot. And yes, we change ourselves as well. But I think though that, 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 that change happens maybe a little bit less internally than the externally, especially in this day and age. So being able to be really solid on your own feet and know where you stand and what you stand for, I think that's really important to keep things sustainable and, and working for you for the long term. And then obviously from the business perspective in this, in this day and age, the word that comes to mind is adaptability because obviously things are happening so fast and things are changing very rapidly. So the being adaptable is, is what comes to mind. So long-term game, self-leadership and adaptability is, is, uh, is what comes to, comes to mind from that chair. So yeah, that's a good start. I love it how you broke it down and then also how in the end you summarized it. it you, you could hear the, the experienced podcast host <laughs> or and to interview there on, on the on, on your side. So I really like what you 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 gave those three points. And let's dig deeper in some of them. You you referred to our previous conversations about the self-leadership, but to those who haven't heard those previous conversations, what's your take on that? And why do you include the conversation about self-leadership in this? Uh, sustainable business performance context. Yeah, so so I guess we all know that there's a lot of different leaders and managers out in the world, and sometimes, you know, myself included, you know, I sometimes got thrown into these positions without uh, previous experience, and that's great because you learn by doing. Now, the kind of the pitfall or the downside of that is that the people that you're managing or the people that are quote unquote under you in the, in those cases. Sometimes they get the they get the short end of the stick, if you will. So you are learning the game, and then the other people kind of may not get the best management possible. And I, I know that's just what happens a lot of the times. And a lot of people they they focus on that external management, external leadership. How can I lead others, and how can I be more more effective with my external communication? How can I quote unquote, give orders or advise better and how can, you know, people sort of follow me in a, in a most effective ways. And we focus a lot of on that external 
external attributes, if you will. And, and that's fine and okay. I understand where that comes from, but it all stems from and starts from how well we're able to lead ourselves and how comfortable we are um, in our own skin, if you will. And that's something that it's hard to start from, especially when you're starting to look at like, okay, I need to lead these other people and that's what I want to focus on, but then kind of, I need to focus on myself first. And that's kind of controversial and kind of, you know, counterintuitive in a lot of cases, but at least in my case, I've realized that the better that I'm able to stay accountable for myself, the better clarity that I have about myself. And, you know, the more I know myself, the better that I'm able to then lead others. So again, like very cliche thing, the better you lead yourself, the better you lead others. But it is the reason why it is a cliche. It is, it, it is, it is just something that we need to maybe not focus only and like 100% on that. Obviously, we need to be able to then sort of externalize that, that self-leadership and to test the waters, if you will. But I would say like, if you've been thrown at a position of leadership or management, Yes, go out there and test the waters and, and uh, like lead others, but also be very mindful of the fact that you need to develop your own self-leadership skills along the path as well. And if it's, if it's in the mornings, if it's in the evenings, if, if you don't have time during the day for that, I would highly encourage people to, 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 to look deeper within and, and, and ask yourself like maybe a little bit deeper questions of, of what do you actually want? What kind of leader you want to be? How do you want to lead others? How, how would you like to be led? Because more than likely, you have also bosses and managers and leaders that are above you. So, so look, look, look for those sort of, those sort of cues from, from other people above you and, 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 and develop your own leadership and self-leadership skills that way as well. I know that both you and I meet a lot of people who, who, who know all these things, right? How, how important it is to lead yourself, how important it is to ask those deeper questions and have the time for retrospective and reflection, but it doesn't happen. So what are your ways of helping your clients to really get into the habit of practicing self-leadership and working on themselves to be able to lead others better and more sustainably and at high levels of performance? Yeah, I think I think the last piece that you mentioned there is is, is a key one. It's um, I, I like to sort of start from the end results, and and that's that's a great way to go about it. Like looking at okay, what are what are our goals? What are the key metrics? And I'm obviously a big fan of high performance. And you know, if if you, if you want to start from from the other end and kind of reverse engineer it from there, that's probably the easier way to go about it. So you mentioned mentioned we want to perform better. And I'm obviously a very big fan of high performance for myself. And that's that's what I help people um, a lot with, sort of optimize their performance and get to those higher higher levels, if you will. So if that's the end goal, or if that's the, the, the milestone, let's say in three months time or six months time, because of what needs to happen in, in order for us to get there, what are the sort of steps and instead of starting straight from here in this present moment, it's like, okay, if we want to be at six months time, if we want to be at X, Y, or Z, that's the, the outcome. Where do we need to be in five months time? Then where do we need to be in four months time? So kind of reverse engineering it backwards. So that's kind of, especially for, for people that are high achievers, if you will, they want to see results. And it, it's when you talk about results and you show them the path in a way backwards, like, okay, this is how we're going to come backwards. It's like, okay, I see. I see. This is what needs to happen in four, four to five months time. 
And then it's like easier and more tangible and more understandable. Like this is what I have to do today or this week. I actually need to maybe have more focus. I need to have more energy. I need to actually be more decisive in my decision-making for myself and for others. I need to be like, what have you? So from there, you're coming down to sort of this very present moment. And what are the skills and skill sets that I need to develop today in order to be a better leader, in order to lead myself better, in order to be more accountable for myself? For example, if you uh, just do something very, very practical that I personally started doing just only a few months ago, we, I, I started going for sort of 20-minute quick run each and every morning instead of just doing a one workout in the end of the day. Or so it's like, okay, I'm just going to put myself out there every morning, go for a little bit of a run. So that builds that self-accountability, right? Because you actually do what you told yourself that you're going to do. So even those like little, well, sometimes they're a little bigger wins each and every morning. That builds the self-accountability and that obviously builds then self-leadership because you're able to lead yourself better each and every morning. So have like a little bigger win each morning. And then all of a sudden, when you stand up and you, you, you show up to your workplace or into these positions of leadership and you have other people that you lead, you're like, okay, I actually, I'm accountable for myself. So in that, that way, you're able to also, it's easier to, to ask from, from those things from others when you already fulfilled your own accountability, if you will. So just just a few small things of 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 how we how we do it. So reverse engineering basically it's 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 a very useful tool. It is useful and it helps to connect the dots, right? When when you know that okay, it's good for me to move my body daily. But if you don't have this emotional connection to it and you don't see how this is an important part of the whole, then it's much easier to skip that mm-hmm. and just stay sitting and lying and so on for the whole day. So it's really about this, how you have this goal, you have the emotional connection to the goal, and then you just break it down to small pieces that are actionable, that are easy to make, but you still have this connection the whole way, the, the whole chain to the end goal. When when you have this connection clear, it's much easier to stick with things. And as you said, uh, stay accountable to yourself. But yeah, also accountability. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I add that piece because what I just like that's that's super important what you just mentioned there. And I was sort of staying in the in the physical realm of of the the reverse engineering, but that emotional connection is is absolutely vital. And that it's very much interconnected. Yet many people forget that emotional piece. And I I, I kind of because when you treat it in a way to slightly separate it's easier to handle it's like okay this is the physical things the the results that I'm after and then you can attach or you find that emotional connection to those a lot of the times they are you don't really have to look for it some people have a tremendous amount of drive especially the high achievers and performers they they have that internal drive but the the key piece is exactly what you mentioned there to be able to make sure that the drive is not just a physical sort of podiums and medals and maybe financial gains, that there's an emotional connection to those goals and attributes and desires that we have. And then that's the kind of the work that we need to then dig a little bit deeper and see like, what is the actual reason? What is the true deeper why and the meaning that I'm chasing these goals um, and the accolades and podiums, if you will? And once you find that, then then that, that's kind of 
I always say that the emotion is the fuel uh, for the journey and that that gives you the drive. And once you find that, then all of a sudden, at least in my case, um, what has happened recently in the last couple of years, then it then it truly becomes more about more about the more about the journey, more about the path. And you understand that yes, we need to have those goals and milestones out there, but but it's all it's it's almost like it's more about the chase. It's it's because mm-hmm. the emotion that's um, attached to that that drive that is attached to the journey is so strong that that keeps you going. If you if, if you follow yeah. that. Yeah. I, I'm following, and I, I just have an example of my own physical training, for example, I, and I think I mentioned it in the podcast before, that to me, this emotion, emotional connection is this picture of me being 80 plus and just being foolish and playful with my with the kids that are around me. It could be great kids, great kids, great grandkids. Maybe I don't have those, but I have some younger people around me, and I, I just have the spirit, I have the energy, I have the motivation, and have the clarity of my mind. To, to be the cool one, you know, to be the fun one, to to play stupid with them, if that's the 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 thing that is that is giving energy to all of us, and for that I understand that I need to train. I understand that, and so I, I'm also a high performer, and I'm driven by that. But and I know how the physical training helps me in the day, but that is not the kind of I don't get the emotional connection there. For some yeah. people, that is the emotional connection. So I'm not saying my way is right and the others are wrong. That's the thing. It's about finding your way. And, and talking about that, you said it's crucial, Tomo, but I see so many people, especially my, my clients, my audience, who are men in tech, it's very difficult for them. They were taught to tap out, so to say, to really numb their emotions and not to follow them because that's weakness and, and so on and so forth. And it's very difficult for them to have those discussions with me about the goals, right? When I asked about, okay, why are you driven by these things? Why do you want them? They get numb and they they get frustrated sometimes with this with this numbness as well because they understand there is something else and they they come to me right because they're not happy with what drives them and really unwrapping those things, peeling away those onion layers that society has unfortunately put on us with a good intention, but uh, it, it brings the negativity right with it. Yeah, it's, I think it, something that I could add on to that is is. Once you start again peeling that onion, using that metaphor, there, many people think that you just kind of snap your fingers and like one session with someone like yourself or or myself, like okay, I have a one session. Let's talk about my purpose, and I got it, and then I got the drive. And most of the time, that's not the case. Yes, it may happen. Those light bulb moments, they may happen as just in one session or just like a really deep insight, and all of a sudden you got it. But most often, at least in what my experience for myself included, it, it is a process. It takes time to peel those onions. It takes experience. It takes a lot of trial and error. And it's like, okay, this, 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 like, like, let's go this way. But that's not the case. Okay, let's go a little bit this way. Oh, no, that's not the, that's not the true purpose either. Like, it takes about, you know, some cases it takes three, four months, maybe sometimes a couple of years that you truly start knowing what are you here for and what truly motivates you and inspires you and what's the true driver um, behind. And the other thing is that it changes. What drove me and motivated me 10 years ago, it's completely different than what's my drive right now. So the being, because when, when we say the purpose or life's purpose, if you will, that's in, in a little bit of a bigger scheme of things, but 
A lot of people think that I should have only a one golden line that I follow for the rest of my life. And again, that may happen for some people. And I know some people that they, they know what they're here to do from the age 20 onwards, and they're on the same path for the whole time. For, my, for, for me as a person, I know I go sort of going sort of five to six year cycles. Like every five to six years, there's something sort of quite major that changes and my, my purpose and my values, maybe they shift a little bit. So that's, I know myself that well, that every five to six years, I need to have like a deeper introspection of maybe a week or so. And I really have to go like down deep and say like, okay, what am I here to do? And then from there, sort of every maybe three months, I'm kind of really having like re-checkups and making sure that I'm on the, on the path. So, so the reason why I'm saying that if you don't know your purpose or you don't know your true meaning and, and, and why you're doing what you're doing, sometimes it takes time. It takes time and, you know, journaling and maybe it's just whatever the, the tools and practices are for you to discover that. But I highly, highly encourage uh, uh, of, of looking a little bit deeper within and, and starting that, that introspection, that, that path, because path of discovery, if you will, because it's a powerful one. And it's so important to mention that it's it's an iteration, right? A iterative process. And just as you said, we are hopefully not staying in the same point. And and the change of the purpose and somehow readjustment of the values is an actual process. You're developing, hopefully. If you're listening to the show or watching this video, it means that you actually care for your own development and you want to keep getting better. That means that your purpose also grows or gets some kind of clarity that means that it needs readjustment so it's nothing bad about it it doesn't mean that you have been wrong before it means that you're developing evolving and you're actually reflecting on that and you get this reflection outwards onto paper or whatever to clarify what is your purpose so it's it's just a natural process and and uh, I want to emphasize it because it's not a, something to discourage you. It's really the beauty of the process when you really get like, hey, now I feel even better about what I'm aiming for with my life, right? Mm-hmm. I love that, the beauty of the process. That's, uh, that's a great one. That's, uh, I love that wording. Thanks, Tom. So I wanted to discuss the productivity with you because that's mm-hmm. that's something that you work a lot with your clients with, right? And you also talk about creativity and the marriage mm-hmm. between the two. So can you tell us about that marriage a bit? Sure. So so here we go. So a lot of people we we think that oh we feel and we want to be more productive. We want to do more things. We want to achieve and have all these results, right? And that's a lot of the times, you know, that's what the productivity is. I do X, Y, Z, then I see a result out into the world, right? And then there's the other piece about creativity, which is that you have these sparks of ideas and insights and so on and so forth. And sometimes we think that creativity and productivity are the same thing, or at least that I'm creative and I'm productive at the same time. Now, yes, that's probably the case if you are, let's say, a painter or you are a musician and you're in this free flow mode that you're just creating while you're producing or you're producing while you're creating. And that's great. But to be very honest, for most of the people, that is very, very difficult state to be in consistently day in, day out, where you're creating and you're producing at the very same time. What I see as creativity and productivity almost being like the two sides of the same coin. Uh, most of the time, you only see one side. And when I 
look at it that way. Like I have a face when I'm more creative. And when I say creative, that means having an insight, having ideas. That's when I'm journaling. That's when I'm possibly having conversations like with someone like yourself, that we're just brainstorming and masterminding. That to me is the creative process. That's more like the internal process. That's what happens first inside. So there's mm-hmm. also a saying, I think it's from Jim Quick. He says that everything is being created twice, first in your mind and then out in the physical reality. So that takes me then to the productivity part, that if the creativity was the internal game, then the productivity is the external game. Obviously, again, they are very much interconnected and and there's a marriage between the two, if you will. But if you create first and then you produce after, I think the the production is, is way more streamlined and it looks exactly what you want. Because a lot of the times you just, just go out there, you put yourself out there and you just slap the paint on the walls, if you will, which is a great way to go about it. But if you actually created that image first in your mind, and a lot of the times it's, it's already happened unconsciously. But if you do that as a conscious internal creative process, and then we go externalize it out into the world, the, the, the image of what we're able to, to create out in the world, it's, I think it's more clear and more precise, if you will. So how that works in physical reality, for example, for me and myself and what I you know, always encourage people to look out for those time blocks and time zones in each and every day. Like when are you more creative and when are you more productive? For myself, it looks more like my production times is usually anything before 1 a uh, 1 p.m. So the morning is when I'm more productive. That's when I'm, for example, having this interview with you right now. That's when I'm maybe answering emails and when I'm producing the sort of the, the content and sort of, you know, the workshops and so on and so forth that I've already created in my mind uh, weeks or days before. And then mm-hmm. the afternoons, sort of after lunch or sort of after 2, 2 p.m., that's when I'm more creative. And what the creativity then looks like in a physical reality is that maybe I go out for a walk. Maybe I you know, take my dog out for a walk in the forest. And that's when I'm coming up with more creative ideas and insights, if you will. So that's where mm-hmm. the creative process then happens. So I'm very deliberate when I'm creating, I'm not actually physically doing anything, quote unquote, productive, as in like, I'm not producing anything out in the world. Hmm. Um, I might do some gardening, for example. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually doing some like quote unquote, something physical, yet my mind is actually processing some, uh, some other things, right? So that's where the, the, the create, or for example, another thing, obviously if I'm driving a car, I, I always shut down the, I never listen radio when I'm driving because I'm allowing my sort of my unconscious mind to do the processing work. And that's the creative space for me a lot of the times in the car. And, and I have like a notepad next to me on the car, especially when I'm driving by myself. Whenever something sparks up, some, an idea or insight comes up, I sort of note it down. I pull up, you know, pull on the side of the road. Hopefully I, you stop yeah, yeah, driving. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, definitely. I pull, I pull on the side of the road sometimes. I was like, oh, I got I to gotta, I gotta write that down. So, so that's what I mean with the creativity and productivity being a, being a little bit slightly different. Hey, Genius Leader, I'm chiming in here quickly to ask you to do one thing for me. If you're enjoying this episode, share it with one person who you think would find it valuable as well. 
Let's spread the goodness together so that more people can play within their zone of genius. I really love this this twist on that, you know, like how how you're putting it. It just makes things so much easier to understand and, and I would say easier to prioritize this time for creativity and put it forward there instead of trying to squeeze like productivity out of every second of our awake, awake time. So I, I really like this perspective that creativity needs that space. And we have those natural rhythms and it can be different from person to person, right? And it's good to observe where this creative space comes more natural to you and try to design your life around that. Of course, it yeah, always 100%. works, especially you're in, if you're in a play, but really striving for that and, and taking small steps to, do, to adjust that way can actually take you a long way. Yeah, and I think something that I want to add on to that, especially how that sort of relates to workspace and workplaces today, and and, and I've read a lot of articles and I've written myself about creativity a lot, uh, quite a lot. And obviously, competition is very hard right now, and 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 there's a lot of talk about innovation. That's you know we need to innovate, we need to innovate, we need to be creative, and there's a lot of pressure on creativity and especially on the mm-hmm. creatives because there are certain people that are possibly naturally more creative than others. Yet, I think something that we discussed about with you um, previously as well, I think everybody is creative. We're just, you know, maybe put some sort of habits and sort of routines and definitely beliefs on mm-hmm. top of that creativity that, 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 so that your true creativity is possibly more hidden than, uh, than for some other people. But if you think that you can be creative each and every day, 24 hours a day, or like I, I got my eight hours that I have to work and I'm just creating all the time. Yeah, I'm not sure if that works for many people. Or vice versa, if you need to be producing and be productive for the whole day, uh, whole eight hours, uh, I'm not so sure about that either. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important to figure out when are you creative, when are you productive, and then also how does a sort of quote-unquote your natural energy flows during the day? I mean, that's again a little bit more personal, but... Uh, but that the, the piece about energy, and, and when I when I talk about energy, I'm talking about physical, mental, and emotional energy. That that kind of raw material of performance, if you will, um, which mm. is really much an underlying factor when it comes to creativity and productivity. I love it. I need to write it down because it's, it was brilliant. Energy, and you talk about the physical. You said emotional and spiritual. You said. Yeah, I would say the spiritual energy is something that needs then a, a little bit more sort of thought and a little bit more uh, time. But for for context of especially workplace and a sort of everyday everyday use, I would I would I would focus on the, the the physical, mental, and emotional. And then when you have time, when you are with yourself and by yourself, uh, then I would sort of dive a little bit deeper into that spiritual energy. And to me, you know, instead of, you know, taking it too much into the woo-woo side, but when, I, when I talk about spiritual energy, that to me is more about that deeper purpose, that, that mm. it's the meaning and the why underneath of everything that we're doing. Yes, I mentioned about the why is about the emotional connection, but it's also underneath of that is, is the true, you know, purpose for why you are here and why you're doing what you're doing. That, that, that to me is the underlying, the quote-unquote, the the spiritual energy uh, underneath of everything. Yeah, they're all <clears throat> interconnected, right? So it's not like there are clear definitions like, okay, this is the boundary between this and that <laughs> kind of energy. They're, they, it's all an interplay of all, all three of them. 
Tomo, when you talk about and when you coach your clients on finding the, this kind of flow, natural flow for them and then designing the days to, to accommodate the productivity and the creativity space, what kind of roadblocks usually happen and what kind of challenges do your clients face and how do you help them with that, with those? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think, again, if, if you look at those four levels, um, the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, it's very easy to stay on the, stay on the physical level. And if you, if you use the onion again, maybe that the outer layer is the physical layer. That's kind of the, possibly the easiest level to start with. And I always like to, let's put it this way, if you start talking about, okay, what's your life purpose to someone that's never, ever had any clue about or never even you know, thought about that, it's very difficult conversation to have. So I always like to start from the first access point. Like what is the easiest place for you to talk about, right? Or to start from. Maybe it's physical habits. Maybe it's changing something small in your everyday life. Like if it's a morning or the evening habits, I'm a big fan of habits and rituals and routines. So if that's something that you're already familiar with, then let's start from there, right? Mm -hmm. And then let change those things a little bit or make them more efficient, make them make them more, more optimized, if you will. And then from there, we can like have a little bit of an opening, if you will. And then we can start talking about the sort of the mindset and the emotional aspects. And then from there, kind of drilling down slowly towards the spiritual aspect. Now, I've also had people that are already very spiritual. They're very much connected to their purpose. They know exactly what they want to do here, or at least they have a very, very strong spiritual practice. Actually, one of my previous clients had a very, very strong spiritual practice, yet the physical habits and the physical sort of things that we that that she was doing every day, they were not in place. So then it was the cycle was the other way around. So we started going from that purpose, if you will, like, okay, then what is the mindset shift that we need to make? Like what are those thoughts that we need to think every day? And then what is that emotional connection that we need to sort of attach to that purpose? And then what, how does that translate into the physical habits, if you will? So it, it kind of really depends of where a person is and what is the easiest place to start with being either mindset, uh, sort of focus things, uh, or if it's the emotional connection that we like, we really want to have a, have a deeper emotional connection as we talked about. So, so that, that's, that's kind of, if, if I look at those four levels, I always sort of find for the first, the first access point and then start from there. I love it. And <clears throat> I actually am curious what you mentioned this question, what are the thoughts that we need to think every day? I've never heard this formulation. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, absolutely. Like I think uh, if I remember right, that was a couple of years ago. I, I, I talked about that in my TEDx talk already as well. So I mentioned like, okay, what are the thoughts that we have to think every day? What are the feelings and emotions that we need to feel daily? And then obviously from there, translating into what are the actions that we need to take? So if we think negative thoughts, if we think that we're not good enough, if we think X, Y, Z. So what are those thoughts that are sort of automatic thoughts that we have each and every day? Once we become conscious and aware of these thoughts, then that's the first step of possibly changing them or either re reinforcing them. If you already have very positive thoughts, are those positive thoughts then leading into those actions that we want, right? 
So, so becoming a very aware of your thoughts and those thought patterns that we have mm. going on inside of our head, if you will, then that's kind of like, okay, let's start optimizing those thoughts and making sure that we focus, focus being the key word for me, that we focus on the actions that then correlate with those thoughts. A lot of the times they do, but sometimes they don't. So the start from those thoughts and then kind of the intersection, if you will, between the thought and the, the action, if you will, is your language, mm. right? So the language to me is probably one of the first interception points that may not be the easiest, but one of the easier ways to, to break the loops, mm. right? Because you have your thought, then you have your words, your language, and then you have your actions. But once you change the language in the middle, if you will, it kind of translates into changing your thoughts and also changing your habits and actions. Yeah. And if we go one step further with the habits and actions, that becomes part of your identity. And that's, I also talk about that with my clients a lot. And I am, I'm quite picky with words that they're using, especially modality verbs, for example. I have to, you know, like, uh, or I must. And, and so on and so forth. And I'm like, do you really have to? Or is it your choice? Mm-hmm. And when they start using, I choose to, or you know this kind of, I don't have the time. Do you not have the time? Or do you choose to not prioritize this and find the time for it? And once they start using those words, I, don't ha- I, don't, I choose to not <clears throat> find the time, they start finding that time. It's miraculous, but it works, right? And that, that's what you're saying. The, the word, words really matter. And if we become aware of our patterns there, we can rewire both ways towards the thoughts and towards the actions, habits, and the kind of rewiring or rewriting our identity. 100%. And something that I want to add that, that I mean, that's such a powerful uh, work when we, we talk about the identity shift, for example. And that that's, that's then starts to be the deeper work. I was just kind of starting from that language, but mm. you're absolutely right. And then for me, what comes out of that is, let's put it this way. If, if I think about going for a run today or going to the gym or, or, or writing an article or, or making some tough calls or some, you know, writing some tougher emails, what have you. When let's just talk about sort of the, the athletic purpose, if you, if you will, like, for example, I'm, I'm training right now, I'm training for a longer run. And if I only look at it from the outcome perspective, like that's what I want to do. Like I'll give you a little quick story, a little like, quick example. I think it was like three weeks ago, there was a race um, that we were training with a friend of mine and maybe he'll, he'll be listening to this. So it's kind of a funny, funny story for him, but uh, there was a race that we were training for. And three weeks ago, this race was canceled, right? It was like Saturday afternoon, or I think it was Sunday morning when we got the news that the race was canceled and his level of motivation was straight down. Like we were supposed to go mm-hmm. for this, like quite a long run on Sunday, Sunday morning. And he's like, Oh, the race is canceled. It's raining cats and dogs. I'm out. Like, all right, fair enough. But for me, the first thing that I realized, like, I'm actually not training because I just realized, okay, the race is canceled. It's raining cats and dogs. I'm not doing this for the race. I'm not training for the race. It's really, I'm training for myself. And then I just truly realized again, because it's just like you have these little sort of moments that you really reinforce your identity. Like I'm doing this for my lifestyle. Like my, I, I just, like to being in good shape, to being who I am, to being accountable for myself and the, the being sort of the outdoorsy person that goes out for a run, it's my lifestyle. Like that's who I am. That's what I do. I don't do it sort of, 
yes, of course, it's great to have these, you know, podiums and, you know, achievements and run the races and so on. And, you know, to be able to say that, you know, you cross the island, that's like, it's cross the island run, but, but it's, it's more about, because that's who I am. It's, it's my identity. I, I, I go for the run and it's actually even better to go out for a run when it's raining because then you're building another aspect that we haven't talked about, which is resilience. Like that really reinforces the identity when you do the things, when it's a little bit, you know, tougher, when it's, when the outside conditions on are less favorable and you go out and you actually do it still, you do it anyways, all of a sudden that identity kind of jumps up to another level because you're like, okay, this is, a, this is who I'm, this is who I am. doesn't matter what happens outside. doesn't matter if my friend of mine drops out, I'm doing it. So I love the piece about about identity and, and sort of reinforcing that and, and rebuilding it. And, you know, it's, it's powerful for sure. It is. And just starting talking about resilience, actually, it could be another topic, right, of itself. Uh, so much is into that and how to build it, why would we need it, and how it can go wrong, actually, when we are focusing on like pushing, 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 no matter what, but it comes from the wrong place within. It doesn't come from alignment and from purpose, how that can actually go wrong and how it can lead to the negative consequences for our health be it mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, uh, be it for our relationships, our career, and so on. So that's that's a whole topic of itself. And yeah, I should probably add it to the list, actually. <laughs> Resilience is a very important topic to discuss, that's for sure. Tom, I would like to wrap up with the questions that I usually ask in, in the end. One of them would be, what would be your three pieces of advice? And that can be the summary of what I've discussed or something completely different, but you think it's important to mention it in the conversation of the context of the sustainable business performance? Sure. So for me, there's two major things, uh, first of all, that comes to mind and uh, that I talk a lot about that I, that I practice myself uh, daily, and they are energy and focus. So as I mentioned earlier, for me, energy, again, is the raw material of our performance. We need to be able to to bring that mental, physical, emotional, and also that spiritual energy out into the game, into the you know field of play each and every day. Right now, I'm not saying that we're going to be 100% each and every day, but yet, if we are able to take care of our personal energy better, we are able to also produce a better results, and our performance levels goes up. Right. Yeah. So the energy will be the number one thing. And then the second thing is your focus, especially in this day and age, to be able to take care of your attention. Where your attention goes is where your energy energy then flows. That's a very, mm -hmm. again, cliche thing to say. But if you first able to make sure that you have the energy available, okay, that's check. Then the second thing is like, where do you direct that energy being your focus, being your ability to pay attention? Now, a lot of people, myself included every now and then I'm like, oh, I'm hundred percent, I'm 120% today. And then energy just goes everywhere and the results are not there. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what happened? Then you just bring it back, bring it back. So uh, we, like before we pressed record this morning, I just mentioned that I just, you know, put my phone on silent, but I have almost zero notifications on any of my devices. Right. I have maybe one or two in one device, but I don't really get notified about almost anything. And that means that I'm able to really direct my focus where I want it. And then I go into these different apps. I'm just talking about the devices right now and, and focus, obviously. 
because those they 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 are something that really steal our attention. And then when you when somebody have an access to your focus and your attention, that's when they also have an access to your energy. Do not want people to have direct, unintended access to your energy. Okay, so you want to be able to control your own energy and where that energy goes. Right. So that's what I'm. That's what I'm really passionate about. That's what I, you know, is something that is really easy to start working on is your energy and your focus, right? And that's when we say all of a sudden, because once we're able to, to have control of those two things, then we're able to produce and perform at the levels we want. Mm-hmm. And I would say that because, maybe the last, yep, maybe the I last. I just wanted thing. to mention that it was really brilliant how you put those two and how you connect them and you actually explain why it's important and how. So thanks so much for those. And yeah, you, you wanted to go for, for the third yeah. I would say the third thing is something that I actually got from uh, from from Robin Sharma, who is this you know a, a, a huge figure out into the performance field. But he talks about this the great five hour rule, and I've really taken that um, into my own practice right now. And and I, I you know, how this kind of ties the whole conversation together quite beautifully when it comes to sort of productivity and creativity and energy and focus. Because a lot of the highest performers in the world, being ath- being athletes, being business professional, being CEOs, or you, you cannot perform at your highest levels all day long. It's, it's just almost impossible. So as we mentioned, it, it kind of fluctuates. It goes up and down a little bit during the day. But one of the things that what I've realized for myself and, and, and that the people that are able to produce the, the biggest results, they only have one or two things that they tackle each and every day. And if you are able to do your highest quality work for about three to five hours, then most of the times that's enough. Mm. So if you think about a lot of, lot, of, lot of us, we work eight hours and we're thinking to be able to focus for eight hours for, for, for everything really you, you know, precisely. That's a tough one. Even five hours is tough. So you need to break that five hours into pieces. I think I was I was listening to Jordan Peterson on the other day, who is the prolific writer, and he writes two to three hours each day, and that's it. Right? I know some other people they only do one to two hours each day of their quote unquote deep work. Now five hours is a stretch. So I'm working right now towards a sort of five hours, whatever it is. But I would say to be able to to focus your energy to only one or two, maximum three elements each day that are the highest quality work and then dedicate the time, energy, and effort to, to knock those out. And, and whatever, if that's then scheduling and time blocking that, that, that time, but that would be, that would be my um, sort of one productivity and creativity tip to, to be able to work less, but do more deeper work with 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 more intention with with mm. really intentional deep work each and every day i love those three together so create the energy for yourself make sure you're directing that energy with the right focus in the right direction and then really use it for the things that matter and don't try to do the same like too much at the same time and you know, when you talk about the third one where that we can't produce and we can't be on the top performance of ours, eight hours of our day. And for a lot of entrepreneurs who are my audience, that's actually much more than eight hours because they live with their business, right? They they they, they breathe their business. 
it's quite obvious when we talk about elite sports people, for example. Yes, they train a lot, but they put a lot of time and energy and effort into recovering, 100%. resting, because that's where the growth is happening, right? When you're talking about building your muscles, yes, you train in the gym, but it's not there that the build the build and the growth of the muscle happens, right? It's afterwards because in the gym, you're actually breaking your muscle. And then this time for recovery is what makes your muscle stronger and bigger. And that's the same with us in, in all aspects of life. It's just much harder to grasp for people when it comes to our mental work, which is what most of us or many of us are using nowadays, right? It's, it's our brains, not our hands, for example. But think about those analogies all the time and remind yourself like, hey, I can't, I can't be in the gym all awake hours of my time if I want to actually be sustainable with my physical practice, with my training practice. And that's the same, the same with your brain. So thanks a lot, Tomo, for those three. I really love them in the combination. Tomo, one practical piece of advice uh, that, or some actionable step that our listeners and viewers can take and implement each day after listening or watching. Just one. Uh, give me, give me yeah. a hard one, Anna, Anna here. I it's would hard say, for you so that our listeners have an, an easy thing to do. Yeah, exactly, exactly. There's, um, I'll give you a couple right now that's, um, that I mentioned during the, during the conversation as well. Is, is, and when it comes to that self-reflection, when it comes to that sort of me time, if you will, I would say a like, really small thing for me is, is I'm, I've, I don't have a, we, or we don't have a TV. Uh, when I'm driving a car, I don't have a radio. Yes, there's, the music is very, very powerful and sort of the external influence is very, very powerful. But if you can minimize those times when you're actually exposing yourself to external influence. So what really, for some reason, for me has worked really, really well is when I'm driving a car by myself, I turn the radio off. I, I'm really, I'm spending time with myself and by myself. If I'm going out for a run, I'm not taking a phone or I'm not having headphones on. If I'm working at the gym, I'm not listening music. So yes, they are very much of a great boosters to get you more motivated and get you going, but I'm using those times as a self-reflective times. And then I have a notepad almost everywhere I go. I don't think I leave the house without the notepad ever. I have notepads in the kitchen. I have a notepad in the car, I have pens everywhere and pencils. And because whenever the creative idea thought comes around, I need to, I need to write it down. So becoming comfortable with yourself and by yourself and spending more deliberate time uninterrupted, even without music, even without the radio and the TV. Mm. Um, yes, I'm fully aware that we need to have entertainment in our life, but there's a time and space for that. So maybe shutting down the, the valve a little bit on the entertainment and maybe increasing the flow of your creative juices. I think, I think that would be, that would be my best tip. I'm fully on that challenge and dear genius leaders, just try it for, if it's hard, try with one minute, start with that. And then yeah. gradually, gradually increase the time because it, it, it is life-changing. Having yeah. done silence retreat for 10 days when we were at, we didn't even have pen or, or we had a pen and paper, but we're only allowed to take the notes during the Dharma um, lectures. So basically talking about the Buddhism and the, the whole philosophy, that was the only thing. Right. So for 10 days, you're really alone with yourself. That was hard, but it was definitely a life-changing experience mm -hmm. for me. I learned so much about myself that no coach could have taught me. 
no coach could have taken me to that depth because no coach has 10 hour, 10 days with you 24 seven. Yeah. So actually that's a, that's a, that's the last thing. I just wanted to add that one really quickly that you mentioned, because I, I, maybe I made a post about that as well, that, that like the work that we do and the work that I do being a coach and a trainer, it's great. But most of the days and the most of the times it's you against you. Like, like the coach and the trainer or the, your peers, your positive peer group, they're, they're more like, almost more like supplements and more like add-ons and nice to have extras. But, but you really need, and that brings me back to the self-leadership and self-accountability. That's the first order of business. Sometimes, yes, we need to have coaches to help us to be more comfortable with ourselves and, and, and stay more accountable for ourselves. But you know, the coach is not there every day. It's not there 24 hours a day. You are spending 24 hours a day, 365 days a year with yourself and by yourself. So mm-hmm. you, you better be comfortable with yourself and with your thoughts and with your feelings and emotions and, and, and the, 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 your habits and routines that you're, you're doing each and every day. So mm-hmm. it, it's really great to have people like yourself, Anna, in somebody's corner to be able to help you. But like I said, it's, that's a nice to have extra when it comes to long-term success. Maybe there's like a little initial push for a couple of months, three months, six months that gets you going. But then, then the coaches and trainers, like my job is, is to, to, to make the person not needing me. Yeah. Yes. Like, I think that's the best job that the coach can do that, that he or she becomes not needed, mm-hmm. if you will. For sure. What a beautiful way of actually rounding it and coming to full circle in the conversation back to self-leadership, Tomo. Thanks for that. It was very, very great roundup, I would say. So Tomo, if people want to learn more about you, maybe look for your TEDx uh, talk or contact you and work with you, what are the best ways to go around? Yeah, um, funnily enough, like my name, Tomo Bauhukunen, it's a, it's a little bit, it's a Finnish name, obviously. I come originally from Finland. So if you just Google me, I'm on the first page. I'm on the first page of Google. I think there's a one or two people that are there, but I'm kind of fortunate with that in a way. So if you just Google my name, you'll find me. Um, I have my website, tuomocoaching.com. LinkedIn is my sort of playing field that I play every day. That's where I'm most active. I also have an Instagram um, Tuomo underscore Valkonen. And, um, but, but the LinkedIn is probably, and with my website, those are the two sort of main spaces that, uh, that you can reach me out. And then definitely you can also DM me on LinkedIn and, and uh, have a conversation there. And that's where I produce most of my content as well. As well as I have my podcast, which is Lifestyle Mastery Podcast. That sort of weekly show, almost you know, every 10 days, I'll try to put something out. It's all about high performance and lifestyle enhancements and optimization. And uh, yeah, my TEDx talk, Why Lifestyle Matters More Than Happiness, is also available on, on, on YouTube and, and the TED.com. So, so yeah, there we go. Great. Well, we'll put those resources in the show notes that it's easy for people to find. Tomo, thank you so much for the conversation. I deeply enjoyed it and I found some new ideas for myself that I'll definitely uh, take into my practice and uh, and use for myself and my clients and my audience. And uh, there were some great reminders as well. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Anna. I appreciate you. Thanks so much for your time. And thank you, Genius Leaders, for tuning in. And I'm looking forward to the next conversation with you in a week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Genius Leadership. 
If you enjoyed the conversation, hit the subscribe button to not miss an episode. And to help more people become even better leaders, rate and review our podcast and share it with your communities. For more conversations about living and leading from your zone of genius, connect with me on LinkedIn. Genius Leadership is an honest conversation about leading yourself and others. And it's my honor to be your guide in overcoming everything 